he finds himself in prison under house arrest in Rome. He awaits trial before Nero with no certainty of outcome. He has no freedom to come and go, no privacy. And yet what we read in Philippians is a man who is upbeat, a man who wants to make a difference, a man who still believes that God can make a difference in his life. You see, what Paul does when he looks at this letter in Philippians is he looks back over his days as a free man, recounting his achievements. But he is adamant that these achievements are of little value. What he has achieved for God in the big picture of things are of little value. You see, he says this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. You see, Paul sets out on his mantra, his mandate rather, for living. He speaks of forgetting the past. He looks at pressing on in the present. And if you haven't picked up on the theme of what I want to run with tonight, Paul is looking to the future. You see, in verse 13, he says this, that I am forgetting the past. I am forgetting what is behind. Paul is not recommending in any shape or form. He is not saying that we are ignorant of what God has done for us let's make that absolutely clear as we look at these verses in philippians there is no mention of that whatsoever and neither is he forgetting in the same vein the lessons that the past has taught us you see the bible encourages us to use the knowledge of the past as a foundation for the future one of the most fascinating books i've ever read is david gooding's and it's the incredible use of the Old Testament in the New. We are looking back to what God has done. And we are taking it today as a promise, as a firm foundation that we can hang our lives on. But let's be absolutely clear. Paul in this letter to the Philippians is not encouraging us to dwell on the past. He's encouraging us to leave it behind. You see, he wants us to carry no burden. This is not about dwelling on past failures. It is about moving forward with God and in God and following God. Picking ourselves up, dusting ourselves off, looking to God for the next chapter. It's not about dragging up what hurt in the past the bible says very clearly that god chooses to remember no more it's not about forgetfulness this is not about looking and looking back and picking up on what we like and what we don't like this is god saying i will remember their sin no more god is deliberately forgetting what has gone in the past and so must we 
You see, this year, as we have seen already, will have enough challenges of its own. We don't need to be dragging in 2021's challenges as well, just to make life a bit more difficult for us, just to make following Christ a bit harder for us. It's hard enough as it is. But we need to get ourselves into a place where we leave what is behind. Because if we don't, Satan himself will whisper, remember what you did. Remember what's been done to you. And those little voices will creep in and it will become more and more difficult to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And just as Paul said, don't carry any burden. Don't look back at what has gone before. He also says, carry or cherish no achievements. How many of you have had the moment and the thought church was better in the good old days? Let's be honest with ourselves here this evening. We can look back to places that were full to burst in. That everywhere we went, we had an everyday conversation. The Bible was talked about over the dinner table as it was in the church. Were they really that good? And let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. Because we really need to ask this. This is not about focusing on what God has done then. It is about focusing on what God is going to do now. It's about having enough faith to trust God for what he is going to do tomorrow. Let me ask you a very personal question. What is the main part your testimony as you sit and you run through your testimony on your mind is it this is it what God did for you 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago I'm often confused as to why people start their testimonies and they say oh, I became a Christian when I was 14, 15, 8, whatever this is not a criticism. It's a challenge. When we come to our testimony, testimony should be about what God is doing for us now, not what God has done for us in the past. Please don't take me, friends. I am not contradicting myself. We look to the past and learn from it, but we follow what God has done. Our testimony, when people ask us why we have faith in God that we have faith in, it's because it should be about what God is doing in our lives now, not what God has done in our lives 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Those things are all relevant. But the most important and poignant point to remember is this, and answer this question in your testimony. When somebody says to you, and you take those words that you are ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, our testimonies and our stories should be of what God is doing in our lives right now I don't say that to belittle anybody please don't get me wrong I neither say it to offend either I say it because the importance is this that we are a people as God's people that need to be looking to the future you see but Paul also presses on he takes where he is right now shackled to a Roman soldier under house arrest 
but I press on to take hold for which Christ took hold of me. I press on towards the goal. I, like Abraham, look forward to a city whose designer and builder is God. You see, there was a time in Paul's life where he thought he'd made it. Remember, he was the man that went around persecuting Christians. He was the man that stood there as they stoned Stephen and everybody laid their coats at his feet and said, you're the man that's going to rid people of this way, this new idea. He thought he'd made it. And what happened? Jesus came and stood before him and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You see, he recognized that there was no personal, there's no false perfectionism in what he'd achieved. Now, as he stands there, shackled to that rogue soldier, he realizes that he hasn't arrived. There are still many more miles to travel. There is still so much to be done, and there isn't much time to do it at all. His life is one of constant aggression towards Christian maturity. He is longing to be nearer Christ, more and more and more like Christ, that he may take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of him. And yet, is he a fatalist? Has he got to the point where he says, I can't do this anymore? His outlook, let's be honest, is not encouraging. He stands trial before one of the most corrupt leaders this world has ever seen. A man who simply hated Christendom. A man who said, you must worship me as your emperor. Paul didn't stand much hope, did he? Humanly speaking. You talk about a crooked judge and a kangaroo court. Yet Paul realises that his look up is extremely bright. But he must deal with this. If he's not going to be released, is there any point in trying? Is there any point in continuing? He can't change things how they are. So why not be resigned to the fact that things are just what they are? Accept the present and just put up with it. Is that us? As Christians? Let's answer ourselves honestly. Have we got ourselves to the point where we just put up with it? back on the way that things used to be in the glory days and we long for those days to return nor do we acknowledge the fact that the Christian life is an uphill struggle it is a battle it is a fight it is a marathon it is something to be incredibly work, hard work it is something that is not going to be achieved lightly. It's something that's not going to be achieved quickly. And so Paul himself says he strains towards what is, head, what is ahead. Friends, this life as a Christian takes energy and determination. It takes grit. It takes hard work. If you find yourself in a position of authority within a church, dare I say and suggest it would suggest sleepless nights. Knowing the responsibility that God has given you. It is hard work. 
You see, there is no reason to give up and to become that fatalist, adopting the attitude of what will be, will be. You see, Paul is not singled out for special treatment. You see, this is the commonality amongst all of us, isn't it, from time to time? We get ourselves stuck in a rut. What will be, will be. I remember Pete listening to a message by Pete Glasgow here one, one particular day. And he said one of the biggest things he worries about in his Christian life is that he get stuck. And he went on to talk about how that it would be easy to just stick to where you are at that particular moment. And he remembers how he had a conversation with somebody who'd said, I'm a young chap, I believe it was a wedding, my Christian life is boring. It's dull. Now I know Peter Glasgow to be a very gracious, very caring man. But I think even I would struggle at that point to turn around and say, I think you're getting it wrong. You see, the Christian life is not a life that is dull. It is not a life that is boring. It is not a life that is somehow just resigned to be this ongoing boredom. The Christian life is a life of excitement. It is a life of trusting God. It is a life of saying, I don't know what tomorrow brings, but Lord, I know that I'm going to look to you for your leading and for your guiding. Just as Paul did. It's not about turning around and saying, this is it. It'll be what it will be. There are times when we have to be single-minded in our determination to serve him. And when we fail, and let's be honest, friends, we will, when we fail, he expects us to pick ourselves up and get back in the saddle and press on towards that, that regardless of what happens. Because our faith in Christ is this. It requires our effort to live for him and to serve him on a daily basis basis so i said then that tonight was going to be looking to the future and we've arrived at my opening comments paul is pressing on towards that goal the goal for which god has called me heavenward in christ jesus paul is looking for a city whose designer and builder is god you see, paul can see that finishing line and in his mind's eye he is going flat out to finish that course his current situation wouldn't depict somebody who's going through that somebody shackled to a roman soldier is not somebody that seems to be pressing on towards a goal they seem to be incarcerated in where they are at that particular moment and yet paul is determined that his life is not to be taken in vain that his life before christ is not to be lived in vain you see he has a goal to aim for he's not aimlessly running with no purpose he's not aimlessly ambling about from side to side fumbling from one church service to the next with nothing really happening in his life between the days his purpose is this his purpose is to know christ the power of his resurrection, to participate in his sufferings, to become like him in death, and to achieve that for which Christ took hold of him. You see, Christ has made him his own. And Paul strives. 
And Paul strives to take hold of his purposes for him. Christ has done everything for Paul's salvation. He has done everything for our salvation. There's nothing that we can add. There's nothing that we can take away. But we too should be pressing on towards that goal. Striving to achieve the purposes for which Christ died for us. But you see there is a prize to receive. Paul, being a Roman citizen, of well and truly understood the Olympic Games. He would have understood the winner's medal, the wreath. He would have understood everything about it. But what was in the Olympic Games? It was a competition. Who can be the best? The disciples asked Jesus a question about that once. Who's going to sit in your right hand? Who's going to sit in your left hand? I'm going to very loosely paraphrase this when I say it doesn't matter. Because that's not what it's about. There is no competition when it comes to believers in Christ. There is no competition. We are called to different purposes. We are called to different gifts. Paul's ambition and Paul's desire... The light that he shined for Christ was bright at the start of his race as it was at the end. And that should be our ambition also. What does Paul not say as we come to the end of Philippians, this little two verses that we're going to look at? He talks about a price. But it doesn't really say what it is. Does it? We get the idea that there are some that say the prize will be the reward given at the judgment seat of Christ. There'll be some that say it'll be the Lord's well done, good and faithful servant. There'll be some that say it's the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award on that day. The crown of glory that will never fade away. Possibly, all these things are much more besides. Friends, I don't really know what that prize is. But I can say this. From what I read in Scripture, I know it's going to be worth waiting for. I don't know what it is. What is a city those designs and builders God? What does it look like? We don't know. And I say this with no irreverence whatsoever. But I don't care. Because it's going to be us there spending eternity with god that's the prize that paul lived for that's the prize that got paul up out of bed every day to go and to serve his savior so then as we come towards the end of the first month of a new year what should our attitude be well i'll leave it to be this those are the things that we leave behind these are the things that we take with us as we look at the present. And as we look towards the future, we have a goal to achieve. We have a prize to aim for. And that one day, we will spend eternity with him. Friends, I don't know what eternity looks like, heaven looks like, the city looks like. I'm not called to know. The Bible doesn't tell me. But the Bible tells me very clearly 
just as Paul did, that we are to look forward, to press on towards the goal, and so we are living in a way that God has a relevance in our lives right now. Right now. Just uh, something to challenge us with as we go on into uh, the week. Our time is gone, but we'll stand to sing our final song together.